0: That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal accounting or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idbailey.com that's A W I E D E R M A N at E I D E B A I L L Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at six five seven two seven nine three two four three. Without further delay, here's your host, dental CPA Art Wiederman.
1: And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman, and uh, welcome to my podcast. We're recording here um, in late September 2023, getting towards the end of the year, folks. Uh, I'm a dental division director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Um, we work in Southern California. Ide Bailey is a firm in the Western United States. Uh, we have, I think, we're up to 50 offices now, Um west of the Mississippi, and I'm very, very proud to be a member of Ide Bailey. And today, I've got a real special podcast recording for you. Um, As I've mentioned throughout 2023, I think that the two biggest issues in dentistry, not necessarily in this order, are number one, uh, your relationship with dental insurance and what you choose to make of it, and we've had several podcasts on that, and, and the second issue is hiring and retaining good employees, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm trying to do several shows um, as we go down towards the end of the year on this topic, and I couldn't have two better guests. I have been blessed to get to know many of the people who work for the California Dental Association. Uh, I was, uh, I spoke at both of their conventions in 2023 in Anaheim in May, and. Uh, back in uh, September in uh, San Jose, which was a couple of weeks ago from when we recorded. This is going to come out in probably December. And um, I've made lots of friends there, and two of them are going to be my guests today, Matthew Nelson, uh, who's a practice management analyst, and Michelle Coker. Uh, she's got all these letters in front, I mean, She's going to tell me what all those letters mean when we bring her on. She is the CDA's employment practice Uh, practices analyst and knows lots and lots of stuff about what you should and shouldn't be doing regarding employees. But we'll get to uh, Matt and Michelle in a couple minutes. I do want to thank my wonderful, wonderful partners as I do every single podcast at Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. They are my marketing partners. They get the word out to the 200,000 dentists in the United States. And we're blessed to have thousands and thousands of people that listen to us every single month. Uh, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine is the premier clinical magazine in America. Uh, You can purchase 140 continuing education classes at a very, very reasonable cost from all the top clinicians, not only in the United States, but all over the world. Go to their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. And as we go down the road here, we'll have some announcements on some really fun things that I'm doing with them on the business side of dentistry. And if you are here at the end of the year and you haven't gotten a call from your CPA um, for planning your taxes and you don't know where you stand and should you be making payments? Should you should you be buying equipment? Should you start a new retirement plan? Should you get a different retirement plan? Um, what about this employee retention tax credit? We're not going to get into that today. Um, what, what about hiring your kids or your grandma or your mom or dad or, or brother or sister on the payroll to help you in the dental practice. If you are not getting that kind of advice from your CPA, please give us a call at Ide Bailey. My phone number is 657-279-3243. And my email is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at idbailey.com. And we absolutely have the tools to help you to be successful in your dental practice. Before I get to Michelle and Matt, and we're going to actually, uh, the three of us are going to talk about this on the podcast. I I, I read an article by uh, the iconic Dr. Gordon Christensen uh, the other day about burnout. And I see burnout with some of the doctors that I deal with and the seminars that I give and they come up and they talk to me And I've had doctors who just come up and they just say, you know, Art, it's just just getting harder and harder to get up and go to work every day. And you know what? It it is, folks. Life is different than it was before March of 2020. There's no doubt. And we we know that. Um, We've been very fortunate to come out of this pandemic dentistry. If you listen to the stats from the American Dental Association, um, dentists are booked uh, close to 90% of capacity. And the profession as a whole is doing well. Do they have their challenges? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about one of their bigger ones today. But what I've learned in my life, and I'm going to apply that to the conversation about burnout and dentistry, is that if all you do is work and all you do is think about work, you will ultimately burn out. So just a couple of thoughts that have helped me a lot. Number one, um... I've learned to meditate. Meditation, I think, is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. It relaxes me. Uh, I do it before every round of golf. Does it help before every round of golf? Not necessarily. But relaxation and meditation uh, techniques. Might uh, talk to a professional about that. Is very, very helpful. The second thing is having outside interests. Doctor Christensen talked about that in his article. Um, again, you know, if all you have is getting up and going to work and you come home and you think about work and then, you know, maybe you do some CEO on the weekends, that's, that's not a complete, uh, you know, fulfilled life. Having outside interests, you know, like mine, as you know, is golf and fly fishing. Uh, I love football. It's football season, college football, pro football, any type of football. Um, and, and also doctors make sure that you are growing in your practice Um, You know, if you come in and, oh my God, all right, so we got three composites and maybe we have a a couple of crown preps and maybe some exams and, oh, it's the same as it was yesterday. You know, that's okay and that's a great practice, but you want to be learning. I mean, learn about sleep dentistry, learn about, uh, you know, comprehensive dentistry, go to some of the amazing CE providers that are out there, and I've mentioned them by name before, uh, John Coyce and the Panky Institute and the Las Vegas Institute uh, and and Dr. Frank Spear, and go become a better dentist and get excited about your profession. And And folks, the last thing I'm going to say is if you're in a little bit of a rut, try not to get your team into a rut because you are the leader and you're the one who's going to basically set the tone for the day, the week, and the month. And if you are sad and you are upset, you're going to pull your team down. So we're going to talk about that as we go along here. As we're going to talk about this with my good friends, Matt Nelson and Michelle Coker from the California Dental Association.
0: Be sure to check out our new i Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Uh, Matt Nelson is a practice management analyst. Um, He's got over seven years of experience as an office manager, dental consultant, and a CDA analyst. He specializes in all areas of practice management including leadership, practice systems, dental billing, human resources, and practice transitions. And Michelle Coker, P-H-R, HBO, Netflix, whatever else. I don't know if you have any more stuff in front of your name, Michelle, but that's, you'll have to tell me what that means here. Uh, is a certified employment law expert. She specializes in assisting members with employment practices, including employee management, policy development, and employment law compliance. Her time spent in private practice as an office manager gives her a unique view into the dynamics of a dental practice, and since joining CDA in 2006, uh, so that is 17 years if I did the math correctly, Michelle has utilized over three decades of dental experience to support dentists and their practices. Michelle and Matt, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management.
2: Thank you, Art. So glad to be here.
1: That is. Good. Nice to have you. All right. So what's a PHR, Michelle? And a PHRCA?
2: A, yeah, I am a professional human resource specialist, I guess you could say, um, not only nationally, but also in California. And then in addition to that, I am a certified California in lo- employment law specialist. So CDA has afforded me the opportunity to study and take these certification tests in order to assist our members with employment laws.
1: Very cool. All right. Well, let's start, guys. uh, Tell us a little bit about your, I mentioned a little bit about you, about your professional journeys. Matt, let's start with you. Um, Where did you come from and how did you get here? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I started right out of college in in retail leadership, and you know, managed teams of upwards to to 400 employees of you know hiring and and onboarding, which is you know the topic of today. Um, and from there, went into dental and managed a really large dental practice. Was there for about five years. Went into uh, consulting during COVID. And I I think you can imagine what I did the whole time I was in consulting. I was basically staffing, staffing, staffing. Um, And then uh, here with CDA, a little over two and a half years now, helping support members with some of the same questions and challenges. So
1: so you came into that right in the middle of the pandemic, right? Yes. That was fun, I'm sure. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. And Michelle, what's your story?
2: Uh, so I, you know, I'd love to say that I had this illustrious beginning, but when I went to dental assisting school, I was looking for a profession that would allow me to not work weekends. So, went to San Jose City College as a dental assistant, but I did quickly move up to front office where I spent about 18, 19 years and then had the opportunity to get in with CDA and like you said, about 17 years ago and have primarily spent most of my time with practice support and I absolutely love what I do. I love being able to help our members understand employment laws to make them more confident with leading their teams, uh, you know, uh, from an employment standpoint, for sure.
1: Well, I want to I want to start with the comment I made at the beginning, and we were talking a little bit before we came on the air today about burnout. Uh, and Michelle, you had mentioned some interesting stuff about burnout. Give, give us your comment. I mean, you're talking to Dennis every single day, yeah. And this will kind of lead into our topic on uh, employees and onboarding and all this stuff. But what are you hearing from your members? Uh it, you know it's not the easiest time in society. I mean we're coming off a pandemic. We got a we've got a and, and again I don't talk politics on this on this podcast and I never will. We got a government that is just flat out split. They're not working together. They're not doing what they need to do. They're fighting and all this stuff and I don't see an end to that. So nothing is easy is my comment. So what, what are you
2: seeing and hearing? Uh Definitely hearing about employee challenges, not just from a recruitment standpoint, but from an employee management standpoint. Uh, People are worried about the world. They worry about how they're spending their time, where they're spending their time. They're choosing to prioritize more creative outlets, Um, there's, there's a lot more conflict in the workplace. And I think that's like you mentioned, you know, there's politics and, and civil unrest and things happening. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of conflict, um, and, and stress. And I think employers, they have an obligation, right? To employ someone by supporting them mentally, you know, financially, emotionally, I there, there are apps out there that uh, employers can can provide a discount for or provide access to, uh, for example, the Calm app. You know, we, I, we don't endorse that them. That's a great so app. So we, we have access to that app. It's fantastic. And they have resources for small businesses just available on their website that are fantastic. You know, there s- small businesses can invest in eap program you know there's there's a lot out there that employers can do to provide financial support to employees education on financial support uh, family support and and to really help make sure that employees can focus on work when they're at work and not have other focuses that they're concerned about so but there's there is there's a lot of burnout
1: i I mean as an employer, and this will get us into our topic and we'll get into all the things we we're going to talk about today, but as an employer, you're, you're, you wear so many hats. You're the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, in some cases, you might be a second mom or dad to these people. And it's more of a family. I mean, you know, you go to work at, I mean, I was talking to one of my friends at a large, large company, and he was telling me some of the stuff that goes on in a, in a you know, big, big, big companies. It's a different culture. And and the culture in a dental office where there's five to 10 employees uh, is a completely different animal. So it, it it's just so important, doctors, that, that you set the tone. And, and, and Michelle and Matt, talk a little bit about kind of, you know, the difference between uh, being a, a leader and really, you, you know, you don't want to get too involved in people's lives, and 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 you have to kind of draw that line. But you've got to be supportive, right?
3: Yeah, and I I think also it's it's important to acknowledge that that you're feeling this burnout. I think it's it's important to acknowledge that it's there too. Um, you know, I think I talked to a lot of doctors, and they're a little embarrassed to talk about it, but. Uh, reassuring them like, hey, you're not the only one feeling this You're not the only one going through this And I, I think it's gone a long way with talking to people That it's, let's talk about it Let's get it out there Let's like, be more aware that it's happening And that we're feeling this way And that we're not alone in these feelings But uh, you know, to, to circle back to your question Uh, You know, being a leader means you care about the people that work for you. So yeah, there is a fine line with not dabbling and getting into too personal, but still also letting them know like, I'm here if you need to talk or I'm here if you need help or don't hesitate to reach out to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with caring about the people that you work for. That doesn't mean that you're enabling them. It doesn't mean uh, that you're coddling them. It means that you care about them, right? Right,
2: right. I think it's important. It's really easy to get caught up in the day-to-day. Like you said, you know, I've got three crown preps this morning, and and I'm seating one, and whatnot, and it's really easy to ignore the little things that are happening that can break down your culture. Really easy to, you know, uh, allow some of these, you know, little microaggressions, or maybe, you know, your front office is ignoring the, the, the assistant and it's, it's a silent treatment happening. And I think you really need to stay in tune with your culture to make sure that there aren't things that are, breaking it down, right? Really understanding that, you know, your culture by far is the most important thing. It's the, obviously the foundation of how you make decisions, how you treat each other. Uh, you know, this just a set of assumptions that that people, uh, how, how they operate, right? And, and, and team, you know, and, and support one another.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. I want to get into a bunch of, I get so much I want to talk to you guys about. Let's start off by, you know, again, you talk to dentists up and down the state, and we know the challenges. How does a dentist know, guys? Um, what do they do to determine if they're offering competitive wages and benefits? Because that, that is a big deal. I mean, we've seen wages go up in dentistry, in everything, go up in everything, 20, 30, 40 percent in the last three years. Uh, we've had inflation, all this stuff. How do we know? How can we tell our doctors, um to that they that they're offering competitive wages and benefits?
3: Yeah, you you can pay to have a wage survey done. If you're a CDA member, you can look at our career center insights page and we have that tool there for you to look at. Also, in California, our EDD website has an awesome link that will go and break down what the average wage is per for each position, what the average pay is, what the low, what the high is. And also, um, you know, I, I'm sure most other states have something similar to their their EDD.
1: Yeah, because we have a lot of state we have we have a lot of listeners from a lot of states, and I'm assuming okay. that also ADA has some resources. Also,
2: we uh, actually have a tool that uh, that our members can use uh, through our Career Center. It's called um, Career Insights. They can plug in the position as well as their city. And it will provide high, median, and low averages for for that position. It's a great resource. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And, that, and that's for CDA members, right? Correct. Okay. All right. So that's one way to look at it. Now, talk about flexible work schedules. I know that, oh, my gosh, I've been hearing stories about employees of all kinds of companies Uh, The companies want them to come back to the office and they don't want to come back to the office and they want flexible. I mean, COVID was an aha moment for lots of human beings, I think, in saying, you know, I've been doing this job for 20 years. Maybe I want to do something else or maybe I don't want to work as much or maybe my work life balance isn't what it is. So talk about flexible work schedules, especially post-COVID.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I mentioned, people are kind of re where, when, and who they want to spend their time with, right? So it, it's a tough one for dental practices, right? You you can't work from home, unfortunately, right? You nope. can't can't do that in a dental practice. So if a practice can make flexible schedules work for employees who may still have child care burdens or family care burdens that are continuing from the pandemic. The better the better the, the, the net to cast for candidates who are, are available to, to work, right? If you can work a split shift, maybe you have a, a morning crew, maybe you have an afternoon crew, maybe you start really early in the morning, take a long break in the midday, and then and then work later in the afternoon. Whatever you can do to be creative. That allows your your employees to uh, provide the balance of caring for family and working because not everybody has the uh, ability to not work. Um, all the better, right? And I think your patients benefit from that too because we're all we're all dealing with the same thing. And maybe a super early morning appointment works out better for some of if some of your patients. And and again, same for the late afternoon.
3: We've heard from some members that have uh, school drop-off time or school pickup time where they just don't schedule patients for that 30 to 45 minutes where the doctor and half the staff go and pick up their kids, take them home or take them to a daycare or take them wherever. But having that kind of flexibility around your schedule could be key.
1: That's a, that's a really good idea. And I think it comes back again, guys, to culture. In other words, as the leader, if you tell prospective team members that you're interviewing and you say, our culture is, we wish we could let you work at home, but it doesn't work that way in a dental office. But what we do understand is that you have a life, you have whatever you have going on. We are going to do whatever we can in the culture of this dental practice within reason to accommodate your needs. And if you, if you set that culture, then everybody understands, well, you know what? Um, I can only work from two to three every day. Well, that's probably not going to work for our dental yeah. office. Um, but I mean, isn't it about culture? It all comes back to culture, right?
2: Yeah, oh, absolutely. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as the secret sauce, right? I think if you have an employer who understands you have obligations obviously outside of work and can try to accommodate that or support your your personal needs as well as the practice's needs, you will probably not have much in the way of turnover. And you've probably created a situation that, you know, it'll be 20 years before you're hiring your next employee. Wouldn't that be nice?
3: Mm-hmm. And creating that environment of fun too. And like Michelle mentioned earlier, it's so easy to get caught up in in the day-to-day task. And, uh, you know, one something I did was I created a fun calendar so that I didn't forget to have the fun. I would sit down and map out when I was going to do stuff. And that, I kept that personal, but that way I remember to go in and do something fun. I, you know, something like my daughter had some friends come over, had a sleepover, and they uh, we watched Mean Girls, and that was my first time ever seeing Mean Girls, and what a great movie, right? And um, so at work I was talking about it, and then we decided on Wednesdays we're gonna wear pink. So everybody in the dental practice, the doctors, I bought a pink polo. And we all wear pink and I just remember patients coming in and they're like, why is everyone wearing pink? And we're like, do you even go here? You know, and just like making it fun or, um, you know, my wife came in one day and made chocolate chip pancakes for the staff. It cost 20 bucks, but who doesn't love chocolate chip pancakes? Right. Um,
2: I'm well, still trying to get Matt to come in and make those at our
1: work. Well, I'm still trying to figure out what Matt looks like in pink. I mean, how come you weren't wearing pink at CDA in San Jose? Man, that would have been. We we had a guy in in Anaheim who was walking around like Austin Powers. I mean, you could have yeah. been like the star of, <laughs> yeah. of 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 CDA. You could have been in. You know, I mean, you you could have had you know, friendship <laughs> bracelets and Taylor Swift and all this stuff,
3: right? As long as Travis Kelsey didn't try to give me a bracelet.
1: All right. Well, now remember, this is this is okay. So remember, this podcast is going to come out a couple of months later than this. We're recording this uh, the weekend after the um, uh, Travis Kelsey and uh, Taylor Swift blew up the internet by her attending a Kansas City Chiefs game. Uh, it'll be interesting when this comes out to see where that's going. But uh, anyway, um, no, I love that. I think that's. I mean, when you look at all the stuff going on in the world and all the bad news. Something like that, I think, is so refreshing and so wonderful. We're not going to go down the road of uh, of that because it's not the topic for them. But it would be fun, though. Mm-hmm. So, talk about the importance uh, for employer employers to offer employees like professional growth opportunities, learning and and, and teaching and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. um, You know, Matt and I do a lot of research, um, read a lot, listen to a lot of podcasts. And really what I find is that studies show that employees who have engaged employers, who provide ongoing feedback, who invest in growth opportunities, they're more productive. Um, you know, they can move the needle on return uh, on investment, you know, those growth opportunities can be skill related, they can be personally related, right? Find, you know, uh, courses in finance, courses in communication, uh, critical thinking, uh, you know, team conflict, um, you know, health and communication, like we said, uh, you know, with helping with, with mental health resources and whatnot, um, employees want invested employers. They want an opportunity to grow. And I know in a small practice that can be hard, right? Right. Shameless plug, CDA Presents. Take your team for education, right? Um, right. They want to know you're invested in them, at, you know, not only professionally, but personally as well. Um, and again, you, you'll you end up with, with loyal employees.
1: I, I mean, there's so many fantastic CE providing. Mean, obviously, CDA Presents has some amazing Stuff that they do. And, um, but, but, but all the CE providers all over the country mm-hmm. and just, just let your, ask your employees, is there something you're passionate about in dentistry? And they'll tell you, they'll tell you, engage in the conversation, say, I want to increase your knowledge. I want to increase your, your learning and your enthusiasm. I mean, I, I'm a big, and my podcast listeners know this. Guys, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of sleep dentistry. I am a, um, I am uh, one who has had his life saved by a dentist. Um, I'll mention his name. Dr. Scott West in Mission Viejo, De, uh, California, diagnosed my sleep apnea almost 20 years ago. I sleep with a CPAP. Um, it, it probably saved my life, you know, being an asthmatic and all this stuff. So, I, I mean, these are things that, that you know, if you're passionate about that, uh, you know, the American Association of Dental Sleep Medicine is a great place. Get your, get your team, go to a meeting, things like that. So, I mean, I, I think that those are some really good points. Um, let's talk about getting people to work for us because, you know, we could have the greatest culture in the world, but if we can't get people to work for us, it doesn't really matter. So, what what do you guys think are the most important things to have in your job uh, placement advertising, uh, you know, wherever you're going to place your ads. What, what's, the, what's some things you should be saying in your ads?
2: Uh, oh, well, let's see. Your candidates are looking for, obviously, what you're paying. Uh, they're looking for what benefits you offer. They want to know about your culture. So if you have a really dynamic website or if you have a dynamic uh, social media uh, presence, include a link. Uh, they, they want to know, um, what the total compensation details are. Do you offer a 401k? You know, what are your, what's your vacation package or holidays or or whatnot? And they want to know about their personal growth potential that you, you, Take your team to CE courses or events or what, what do you provide? Are you willing to provide higher education so they can, you know, become certified or licensed if you're hiring maybe a, somebody who doesn't have any experience and and they want an opportunity to grow and obtain, let's say, a registered dental assistant license? Uh absolutely be specific about the schedule. If you offer a flexible schedule, that's going to be, you know, highly competitive. Um, if you're posting an ad that offers full-time and part-time positions, I personally would post two separate ads so you're not confusing candidates about whether or not they can meet the needs of, of the role that you're looking for. Um, and like I me- mentioned, you know, immediate transparency into salary. Uh, not, o- not only is that required for larger employers of 15 or more to post those salary ranges, uh, but if if you can, you know, as a smaller employer, post that salary range for sure.
1: Any any words you like to see in ads that you think might be catchy? Um like uh uh season tickets to Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> no, that won't work. Um uh oh, I don't know, free round of golf at Augusta National. No, that won't work. But any <laughs> any words you like to see in an ad?
3: Not uh, specifically words, but I'll, I l- I want to tell a story though. When I was in consulting and I was trying to find da candidates rda candidates front office candidates um there was one place where i was looking for a da i put an ad in i paid for the advertising through indeed it was um 30 days went by and nobody applied so i called indeed and i was like hey i I don't know what's going on. It's like, Hey, let's look into it. It's like, okay, no candidates. I'm going to go ahead and give you a full refund for your advertising, which was great. But when we dug in, what they found out was within a 25 mile radius, there was over 200 job postings, active job postings for the same position. And so what that told me was one, obviously there's a lot of competition, but two, my job posting must've been terrible if you know, no one wanted to reach out to mine. So the things that we looked at was, you know, the quality, talking about the fun, talking about the engagement. Like Michelle said, links to the social media, posting pictures of some fun events your team did in the job posting. Things that are going to draw in as they like, I want to work here. So think about that when you're throwing that that job application or that job uh, posting out there. You might be competing against 200 plus job uh, employers for that person so how are you going to stand out
2: yeah i i think it's important to talk a little bit too about what not to include in your job postings um i think you in order to attract a diverse pool of qualified candidates uh you want to use neutral pronouns they instead of he or she Uh, Don't list specific degree requirements unless it's really, really necessary. Uh, Avoid gender, you know, terms like assertive or nurturing that might skew either way to masculine or feminine. Um, Avoid terms that might imply an age preference, like energetic or mature. Uh, I think you really need to be careful to stay as neutral as possible. And again, not uh, eliminate... potential candidates
1: interesting i i mean and it is but people i think it's the first line of an ad if you if they don't like the first line of your ad they're going to go on to the next ad
2: yeah and and don't i think you have to be careful not to create uh, uh titles titles that don't make sense right you know trying to be creative you know looking for, you know, outside of an office manager that you create some wild and wacky title to make it, to make your ad pop out, be specific, um, and, and try to keep it neutral. So that way people understand what they're applying for.
1: And yeah, I, I like it. And now we're going to get into talking about like the interview process and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, but I mean, I'm one who likes in an interview to say, this is our culture, and our number one concern is our patients. Everything that we do in this dental office is focused around the total health of our patients. And that that comment right there, I think is going to get people who are going to come and want to work for you who their number one concern is the total, you know, total health of patients. But let, let's get into some of this. So let, let's start talking about um why job applications are so important and all this. So we get someone to the office, and there's a job application. They got to fill out a thirty-page job application. No, not really. yeah. <laughs> Why are they important, and, and what should what should we know about job applications?
2: Yeah, I, I, candidates provide a wide variety of information in resumes. Providing an application gives you as the employer an opportunity to get a, con- a consistent format of information from all candidates, um, enables you to complete, uh, get a complete picture, right? You can ask uh, prior employer names, uh, names of managers, dates of employment, if they're legally able to work in the U.S., Um I think, ultimately, the signatures are the most important thing, that you are obtaining a signature that uh, informs the candidate that you're going to potentially check references, that you're potentially going to do a background check, um, that the offer is contingent on passing these, these background and reference checks. That employment is uh, at will, so the, that they understand employment is at will. You you want to reiterate that on many levels. Ultimately, that the information that they're providing is true and correct. Because if you were uh, to find out that they maybe embellished their their skills, their experience, they didn't provide correct information, you may have grounds to rescind an offer of employment. And unfortunately. And fortunately, I've talked to members who have had that uh, need to rescind an offer and thankfully had had the candidate fill out an application and obtain those signatures where they were able to say, you know, you certify that this was correct and it isn't. So I'm going to go ahead and rescind this and I wish you well. So super important to get those acknowledgements.
1: So when we post the ad, right, at some point, we're going to have to contact these people to say, hey, we did th- talk about that. What I mean, if I wait four days to do that, that person may think, you know, you may not be really interested or you don't have your act together. So when do we contact the prospect?
3: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, the, the old rule of thumb was like, hey, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to open a job posting when I come back. I'm going to have all these candidates to interview and that nope. doesn't work anymore. It <laughs> nope. does not work. And so there was another study by Indeed that was really cool. Um, only thirty percent of candidates here within a week from a prospective employer. And only four percent here back within the first day. And so we That's amazing you, to me. It is. It's really low. So we encourage you to be that applicant that reaches out and gets them on the phone that first day. And it's it, you know, it, it could be the difference between whether you get that person or not. There's there's generally something that drove a candidate to apply that day. And I guarantee you they didn't only apply for one job posting. They probably applied for multiple. So, um, I, you know, I just recommend you being that one that gets them on the phone first. All right. So let's talk about we, we can get them on the phone. They call.
1: What is the first of all? Who do you like to be the first person that talks to them? It's probably going to be the person at the front desk because they're going to be the ones answering the phone, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so what, yeah, what what yeah. what what what's important for us to say? Uh, hi, uh, this is Art Wiederman. I'm applying for the job of uh, uh, front office administrator. What what what's so what what's the important things for the person to say? And it's like
3: the Johnson and Johnson
1: commercial: you never get a second <laughs> chance to make a first impression, right?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean the. That first point of contact is probably going to be them applying. So it's probably going to be you reaching out to set up the interview. Right. So obviously, you know, you want your front desk person to be friendly and courteous and have that time set up where you're not rushed. And, those times uh, it may be very limited when you're working in a practice, but you need to make sure that when you're sitting down that you're uninterrupted, you have the job description in front of you or your interview guide in front of you, that you're able to ask questions without eating your lunch. I can't tell you how many interviews I, I even did myself while trying to eat lunch. And, uh, you know, you just you can't be that person. You really want to be distraction free and you want to find out what drove them to apply. And you want to make sure that you can offer what they're looking for that caused them to apply that day.
1: And don't be checking your text messages in the middle of an interview <laughs> right. or your email yes. or your Instagram or your Facebook. No, don't do that. Yes. That's just, I mean, be fully, fully engaged. I've always and I've I've mentioned it's been a while since I mentioned it, that in an interview, there are two things that I look for. And I, I was an employer for 33 years, someone who looks me in the eye and a firm handshake. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I have people who were just aloof in the interview and then they just like, well, are they going to be that way in my dental office? Uh, and, and yeah, it, it was funny The the first quite now I'm not suggesting folks that you do this. It's just a story when I was 16 years old and my first accounting job, uh, my, uh, my, he was one of my mentors in accounting. His name was Larry Shipley. He was an accountant in San Pedro. And I went in for the job interview. And the first question he asked me is, so are you bright? Now, if you have to think about the answer to that question, Michelle and Matthew, <laughs> that could be a problem, don't you think? But I problem. don't know, Mich- Michelle, as, as the, um, as the employment law expert here, do we? I don't know if we want to ask that question, but but what what are some good questions that you guys like to ask in an initial interview?
2: I think you really need to stick to uh, your duties, right? What do you what are you looking for as far as your experience, your experiences in the practice, uh, you know how how you work as a team, how organized you are. Uh, you know, what's your experience chair side? What happens when emergencies are placed into the schedule? How how do you react and handle that? Really stick to the qualifications of the role. Uh, are really your best bet. I, I highly recommend that employers have a job description in place for each role uh, that's reviewed prior to hiring to make sure it still makes sense, not developed five or ten years ago, and develop your interview questions in advance. That way, when you're interviewing multiple candidates, you're able to ask the same questions and, again, gather consistent information for each one of the candidates, but really stick to qualifications and the, the those things that are necessary to be successful in the role. Yeah. And what? A, what go ahead.
3: Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Character and fit on the team too are just huge. Yeah. So don't, don't let them answer your questions with yes or no. Also just really ask those follow-up questions, dig in, tell me about any, a specific example, please like have them open up oh. or slip up either way.
1: Oh yeah. Now let's, let's have some fun here. What should we not talk about? Like for example, So do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, yeah. I don't think you would recommend that that we use that. No, for,
2: you really, you. <laughs> yeah, you really need to stay away from those family questions. You know, do you plan to have children in the future? Yeah. Uh Even, even. I mean, we're hardwired, right, to be conversational, but you've got to be careful about asking about hobbies that might lead to what you do on the weekend, and maybe you're very, very religious. Um uh, You know, again, uh, avoiding those family questions. You know. Maybe you learn that the candidate has five kids and you're concerned that this would be somebody who might be an attendance problem, right? So you've, you've got to really, really be careful about those protected class, class questions or, or questions that might lead to learning about protected classes.
1: Now, that brings up another question, guys, is I've been in interviews where employees volunteer their entire life story. I just had one of those. And I think that, you know, less is more there. So, so well, you know, my, I, I had one that said, my, my kids are my life. That's, that's all it is. And t- tell me about the kids and what they're doing. And they're in hockey and soccer and baseball and basketball and dance. And, and I, I think that you're, you have to just kind of sit there and okay. And not say a word, right? Because once you comment on that, you're opening Pandora's box, Right
2: yeah, a redirect would be necessary at that point to kind of bring it back to uh, you know, our schedule is Monday through Thursday, eight to five. Does that schedule work for you? Or maybe you work an alternative work week? Unfortunately, that question gets missed a lot. Hey, we work an alternative work week, we work 10-hour days. Is that a schedule you'll be able to make with no problem? Uh, you know, really getting into what your expectations are as far as attendance um and, and duties of the role, and really just kind of redirect that conversation and not take those other things into consideration best you possibly can.
1: Years, years ago, I mean, there's a long time ago, like I it was in my first office. I had a, a young lady apply for our receptionist job. And I, I asked, and I'm assuming this is okay. Well, uh, I don't even remember her name. Uh, so how many words per minute do you type? I think that's a fair question, right? And and, and her answer was accurately. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I mean, you, you get all you know kinds of stuff That's like great. that. And I, I like that. That's one of my favorites. So, how do we get the team involved in the interview process? I I always I never hired anybody without having two or three of my key. And I had three people, and I love mentioning their names: Pam, um, Debbie, and Raquel. Uh, they were my rocks, uh, among others, in my CPA practice. And we never hired anybody without the three of them talking. So how do we get the the, the people in the office involved?
3: Uh, that's such a good question. And it's often overlooked and so critical. And I think back to a lot of the reason why I had success with onboarding was that um, I made this a huge part of the culture. It was team. It was talent. It was development. And the team was always happy. They liked to train. And I made sure that... Um, you know, we didn't hire someone without the team's blessing because they're the ones doing the training, but I would start every interview off. I would let the team know, Hey, we're having an interview today. We need to fill this position. I like this candidate. This is why, you know, and just gave some background. And I would give that applicant a tour of the practice and I would stop and introduce them to everybody. The practice I managed was busy. We had four GPs that saw 20 to 30 patients a day, but the team was happy and they would stop and say hi so happy to meet you uh, welcome to our office let me know if you have questions and everybody just greeted and gave this welcoming feeling the doctors would say hi the hygienists would say hi the assistants front desk everybody said hi during the tour uh, and then the people that were going to be training so depending on what position it was i would have them pop in and just ask A question or two obviously they were scripted they knew what they were going to ask to make sure that they asked appropriate questions but they would pop in and really just try to get a feel for the person see how they answer and then they would say like yeah i can train this person yeah i'll work with this person so not only one did it make the prospective employee a lot more comfortable and relaxed because of the environment and the culture that they experienced but it also got the buy-in of the trainers so i knew the trainers weren't going to let this person fail because they put their name on them. Yes, I'll train this person.
1: Yeah, and 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 you can tell if, it, as you said, Matt, you walk in people through the office. When you talk to people in a work environment, even if they're busy, you can tell whether they're happy or not, can't you?
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I mean, I've walked into offices and and I just see people with frowns, and where I walk into dental offices and and I see hugs. Every patient is getting a hug from a dental assistant or from a hygienist or from yeah I mean from the doctor I mean it, it you can just tell and yeah. if you don't have that kind of culture, you should really work on getting that kind of culture yeah.
2: so well, I, well, i ahead. have I have a story I want to add on to what Matt was talking about i had I had a call where um, there was an experience that the uh, the candidate had come in and um one of the employees recognized the candidate from a previous office because obviously this candidate or the employees you know work at various offices and knew that the candidate had issues and had been let go from a previous office so was able to add some insight that the candidate wasn't necessarily somebody that the current employer wanted to hire so really interesting and so you know the, the dental community is very small, and um, we all know each other. So it's it's from that aspect you might uh, you might miss a, a bad hire that way.
1: Now I'm not I'm not a obviously I'm not a labor law attorney or a labor law specialist like you are, Michelle. But um, uh, if somebody calls on a prior employee, aren't there limitations on what you can say about that person?
2: There are, in a sense that. You can't. I wouldn't. I would be hard pressed to offer opinion without providing true and accurate statements. Right. So if you know somebody was an attendance problem, clearly you have time timekeeping records and whatnot uh, to, to back up. That, that information. Um, if there, there were, were performance issues, let's hope that you also have documentation with regard to how you were handling and providing feedback and whatnot. I mean, even as much as if you have firm documentation and, and accurate documentation with, uh, you know, financial issues, embezzlement, um, harassment, things like that. If you provide true conclusive evidence that uh, somebody was a problem, you're protected in California for providing true and accurate information under a labor code 47C. Um, I would be careful not to volunteer a lot because, you know, again, you wouldn't want to expand, but you can provide true and accurate information about a former candidate.
1: Yeah, you just got to be really, 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 careful. I mean, you again, don't know if someone is behind you it, recording that. A
2: hundred percent. And and yeah. and again, stick to duty duties. Ask the You know, answer the questions about duties if. I think what I find when talking with with members is they don't necessarily ask the right questions. If there's a specific thing that you want somebody to do, maybe there's a social media marketing aspect of a role that you have and you're hiring for in your business ask what's this person's experience and success with this particular, you know, social media advertising. Be be careful not to omit those types of things that are super important because you might find somebody may embellish on their experience and then you come to find out a month later you're really disappointed that this person isn't successful or really doesn't understand what they're doing. So ask the right questions. Well,
1: what what I've learned Again, it's 33 years in an employer and hiring sometimes the wrong person. And there is not an employer in the world that has run a business that has not hired an employee that wasn't the right employee. It just oh, doesn't sure. work that way. Yeah. Is that you do not know what you're going to get until the first day they start working. And, uh, you know, nobody is perfect and everybody makes mistakes and you need to go with your gut. That That's mm-hmm. kind of what mm-hmm. I will tell people. Uh, what do you guys think about working interviews?
2: Um, they can be a great idea um, if you go in with an understanding of your employer compliance obligations, and if you feel you can achieve what you're hoping to gain by just having somebody come in for a day. I mean having having a candidate in for a few hours or a few days without actually hiring them until they prove themselves. It sounds logical unfortunately, is employers miss their obligations as a, as a California employer in that they don't understand that there isn't a classification in California for a, a one-day you know hire, right? like, like somebody who is a tryout employee, so to speak. They need to understand they're hiring somebody for a day. Uh, they need to protect their patient's health information, So they should be uh, providing guidance as far as whatever the HIPAA practices and policies are and the privacy policies of the business. Uh, Have them sign a non-disclosure agreement. You've got to check that they're eligible to work in the United States. You should be collecting their personal information as well as tax information because ultimately they have to be paid for the day at the end of that day. Um, And I think it's super important to understand that that candidate is going to be on their best behavior that day um I, I like to kind of tongue-in-cheek say that it's like a first date right everybody probably shows up on time is wearing their best outfit
1: right.
2: on their best Matt, behavior matt's in
1: pink matt's right in pink. we know that's that. right matt's in pink
2: <laughs> and you're you know, will a few hours or even a full day provide you the information you want to know? It's hard to learn about somebody's work ethic in a few hours or a day. It's really, like you said, hire, go with your gut, right? If they interview really well, they feel good. You've got a good rapport. Is this somebody you want? It's like the the airplane test. Is this somebody you'd want to sit on an airplane with? For a long period of time, you're going to be sitting really close or working in a small area. Is that somebody you want to spend time with? So go with your gut, right? Um, If it's a skills test, there are alternatives. You can do skills tests. You can do mock, uh, you know, phone calls or, you know, help seating a patient or whatnot, you can do skills tests that that can be short term in and in a couple hours in a business. You don't have to pay for skills tests unless they're working. But do make sure that, you know, a gift card at the end of the day isn't going to suffice for somebody who comes in and actually works. If they're performing work, you've got to make sure you're paying them.
1: Uh-huh. And 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 again, you know, we get it. We're not gonna go down the road of independent contractor versus employee, oh, no, no. but yeah, we're not, we're not
2: going
1: we're it, not going it, there. But
2: um it does not apply in this situation for sure. Nope,
1: nope absolutely not. So we talked to, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Michelle, about uh you know, background and reference checks. Talk about what what are the what are the do's and don'ts of the road here on on you know, uh, checking references, running background checks and things like that.
2: Yeah, I think as I mentioned, you gotta be careful about providing the type of information. It's got to be true and accurate. No, no, uh, but if I'm
1: calling if I'm calling, I'm looking to hire somebody and I'm calling right. What can I? What am I allowed to do as far as background uh, checks? Yes. gotcha, yeah, gotcha. The other so side, yeah.
2: as an as an employer who's calling, uh, you should not be asking about prior salary information, prior benefit information. It's illegal to gather that information. Uh, you should already have, you know, a wage, um, uh, you know, some established wages for the role. Uh, Definitely understand that you need to obtain consent. That's why that application for employment is very important. Uh, if you're going to do a background check, understand not only do you need to get consent, you need to provide a conditional Offer of employment in writing prior to so we we like you we want to hire you but you have a couple more hoops to jump through before we're prepared to move forward with with you know setting a first day. Um, but I think we when we talked a bit ago about a working interview. I highly recommend even if you don't do reference or background checks that you. Push pause before rolling into employment rather than, you know, because you're having the candidate fill out paperwork, there's often a, a misunderstanding that they've been hired, right? So at the end of that day, let them know. We're going to make some decisions at the end of the day. We'll let you know and then move forward with that conditional offer of employment. And then if you do use uh, background checks as part of your hiring, use a reputable company. We don't necessarily have an endorsed program with CDA, but we do have a list uh, that we can provide of, of businesses that do provide background checks, you'll want to hire hire a reputable company that uses a, a you know, a portal that protects your candidate's information. Um, there are, you know, obviously worldwide protections that need to be in place. Someone who provides the um, type of information you want in in a really quick manner, right? The, so hire, hire a reputable company.
3: Some, something else with background checks too is just make sure that you You can't just do it for one person. You got to you got to do it for everybody. So if you're interviewing Michelle and you think Michelle looks like an upstanding citizen, you decide not to do a background check. But you see me walking the street in my Raider hat and you're like, that guy needs a background check. Pink shirt and a Raider hat. That's too much. So um, you got to make sure you got to hit both of us.
1: I was a Raider yeah. season ticket holder when they were in Los Angeles for ten years. If you walked around in pink at a Raider game, you get beat up. That's all I got to say to you.
2: <laughs> I um, just have to uh, say, go Niners. Ah, uh, well, saying.
1: well. <laughs> again, this is going to air in December, so That's we're right. early in the season when we're recording here. We don't know how this is going to end up, but the uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 get into. <laughs> we'll have to do. I'm going to start a new, uh, the art of football. Maybe we'll do that one. All right. So now we hired the person guys. We hired them. We got through the process. We feel good about them. They're going to come in. They're going to start working. Talk us through some of the steps you like for day one, week one. You know, what, what are some things, I mean, you don't want to just, okay, you're here. Good luck.
2: Yeah. You mentioned it earlier. You have one opportunity to make a great impression and, you know, if there's anything that we've talked about today is this, this is not an easy process, right? One, we know that the labor market is is uh, hard. We know that you've spent all this time and money and effort to to recruit and hire. So you got to make a good first impression, right? In a, dental practices, in and of themselves, basically do the same thing, right? Dentistry, right but they all operate very differently we talk again about workplace culture right how what's that foundation of how you operate what are you know the four pillars of of what how you operate is it integrity is is it a i've got your back spirit is it fun is it uh you know patient care above all you know whatever it is this is your opportunity to let the employees know. I, I think, you know, outside of the, the necessary paperwork that needs to be provided to an employee, which, of course, is somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 to 20 forms that California yep. requires. Yep. Uh, Candidates have truly determined how they want to spend their time. And if you fail at onboarding, they're out. I mean, unfortunately, even large employers fail. My son started a job within the last six months where he had to clean off a messy desk on his first day because they weren't prepared for him you know have those have have the paperwork ready to go have the desk ready to go you know put a daisy in a vase and give them a coffee mug filled with you know candy kisses whatever it is just so they know you're ready prepare them in advance where they should park what they should wear Prepare the staff, you know, give them a little bit of background on who this person is, what the expectations of how they're, you know, the, the person is greeted into the business, smooth over any ruffled feathers that might be happening because you're bringing in somebody to assist somebody that maybe feels a little bit ruffled about somebody new starting because we're all very territorial about our roles and yep. those you know the the family dynamic somebody new is joining the family so i think you need to spend time to to do that um, you know the the compound is interest of a great hire Joining your team, it, provide that stellar onboarding, and they'll stay. They'll be happy to share with others how much they love their job. You and know, maybe so, yeah.
1: Maybe go to, maybe maybe take the team out to lunch the first day. A new employee, uh, absolutely,
2: starts. yeah. And, absolutely. And
3: then the,
1: yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Go oh, ahead, no, you go, Matt.
3: Oh, I was going to say, I, I worked in a in an office that was a high ER call office, and I I could never start an employee on a Monday. So, you know, take into account if Monday is your busiest day, don't don't be that the day that they start if you can't spend the time with them.
1: And then at the end of the day, when that employee is gonna leave five o'clock, five thirty, whatever the time is, maybe you get the doctor to come out and just call call them, you know, into into their office or something and just, hey, how'd it go? How just account. how'd it go? You know, just how was your first day here? What'd you think? It's and, and and that's huge. It's huge. Feedback. And how about feedback as far as 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? What do you like for that?
3: Yeah, I like to have um actual scheduled sit-down conversations where that are uninterrupted, that's between the trainer and potentially, you know, the doctor or the manager. Uh, make sure the environment is Free and clear where they can speak freely, have the job description there, have the training plan there, make sure that the trust and the dialogue can be open. what's working what's what do you need more time with? I don't call it what's not working or what's not going well. I mean everybody needs either a little bit more time or less time in certain areas, so like where where do you need more time? How can I help you where you how know? can
1: we help you to be successful?
3: yeah, yeah, and just Huge. open up that that dialogue where they can say I'm doing awesome at this, but I am really struggling with this. If if you can get them to the point where they're free and comfortable to openly admit where they're struggling, then I, I think you've done a lot of the right things to get them to that point. And, and I think just you, yeah, go ahead. I
2: think yeah. you need to. I'm sorry. I think you need to ask. How's the dynamics among amongst the team as well? How's the yeah. communication? You know, has the team been helpful to guide you in in whatever it is that you need as well?
1: Yeah, because if the answer is no, then you got a problem with your team. Um, The last thing is, it is something that I used to do. It didn't come up too often, but um, whenever we had a question about a wage or hour law, and obviously I was a California employer, um, here's what we would do: I would bring my uh, my office manager Debbie into the office, and we would bring the employee into the office, and um, we would basically call either the California Labor Board or um, my golfing buddy, who's a labor law attorney. And we would basically say, um, okay, here's the situation. Uh, our employee believes that this is it. What is the law? And I don't mess with employees. Doctors don't mess with employees. You will lose. Michelle, can I be more accurate?
2: <laughs> you could not be. It It is vitally important that employers understand wage and hour laws. It is the bread and butter of being an employer. Uh, The information's out there. It's easily attainable by employees. Uh, unfortunately, I think what happens is employees get about half of it right. So, you as an employer really need to be on your game to understand and not feel intimidated by employees. And, and you know, we mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, um, this is where I love to provide our employers with the information to feel confident to lead, that they're not leaving themselves open to risk, that perhaps there are compliance things that they need to button up in their practice because they could be caught with what's you know kind of called in the industry low hanging fruit type lawsuits right the the wage and hour overtime uh uh meal and rest break type lawsuits that that can occur
1: and and i've heard uh horror stories as the two of you have also heard, yeah. um, over, over that. And it's, it's just, it's just terrible. So any, any closing comments guys about, um, this, anything that we haven't covered or that you can think of, or, a a, a good story, um you know, about, uh, something that might help our listeners.
2: Uh, I, I don't know if I have any good stories. That's okay. Um, I, I love the opportunity to provide the messaging that we're here for members. Um, Again, like we talked about, it's vitally important to understand these laws, uh, to understand what's happening in the industry from a hiring standpoint. They're not alone. Everybody's dealing with it. I think that helps with some of the stress level with what I've talked to some of the members about is you're not alone. Like This this industry-wide issue with finding candidates is it's hard. And I think, um, just, just kind of in a, we're all in it together type, um, mentality is, is helpful. Um, and so I just love being able to get the word out that we're here to help.
1: And you have, you guys have, you've talked about a lot of the resources you have. So doctors, uh, if you're not in California, the, you have a state society, you have a local society, you have the American Dental Association. You also have companies out there that are dental-specific HR companies. Um, uh, And we've had one of them on my podcast several times. And um, you you need to get help because this is an area that if you get sued, it could put you out of business. And you've got to just, you can't be, you don't want to be afraid as an employer. And there are bad employees out there who go from dental office to dental office Causing trouble and filing lawsuits. I mean, there aren't very many. You can count them on a couple of hands, maybe in the country, but uh, maybe there's more. I don't know. But um, you know, the, the CDA has got resources. So if you have any questions, if if you're in California, uh, call Michelle or call Matt. What's the best way uh, for these guys to get a hold
2: of you? Well, they can call CDA's main line. And let them know that they're calling about an employment question, hiring question, whatever it is, or even regulatory compliance or, or a dental benefit plan question because our team handles, um, you know, those types of questions. Or if you go to the CDA.org website under practice support, you can find our direct contact information on there. Um, and, and I think Matt, Matt has something to add.
3: Yeah, I just wanted to add in, like, my little closing note, too, is is that you're strategic about how you run your business. You're strategic about your treatment plans for your patient. Be strategic about your onboarding and your fun. You know, when you're busy and you're caught up in the day-to-day, it's easy to forget to do these little things that really matter for people. So sit down. With somebody that's really good at it, sit down with your office manager, sit down with my teenage daughter, and write out what would be fun in a practice for the month and have have it ready to go so you don't forget or so these things don't slip through the cracks.
1: With the teenage daughter, uh, her answer would be, Dad, stay out of my life, leave me alone, right? Let's do TikToks. Let's do Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Let's not go down that road. So, uh, Michelle Coker and Matt Nelson from the California Dental Association. Thank you for all that you and all the people at CDA and all the people who are listening that work for local and state uh, dental societies. I know we have folks in from the ADA that listen to this podcast. Thank you to all of you who support the 200,000 dentists in the United States, the 32,000 dentists in the state of California. And the 27,000 members of CDA. Thank you for uh, to all of you for for helping because uh, again, you know, I mean, I went to accounting school. They don't teach us this stuff in accounting school, and I'm the business advisor. They certainly don't teach it in dental school. And this is no disrespect to the dental schools, who are all incredible uh, in 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 turning out fab fabulous mm-hmm. dentists. But but they just don't have the the bandwidth to teach this. So you know, there are resources. You're not alone. There is help and and folks the 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 thing that i can leave you with is create a culture that your employees want to come into that your patients want to come into that people want to work with you and that that you create raving fans and mm-hmm. if you do that you will have a happy practice you'll make money you'll do you'll you'll, you'll meet all of your goals so again matt and uh, michelle thank you so much for your time please stay with me as i take the podcast out And again, I want to thank my uh, wonderful uh, partners in crime, Decisions in Dentistry magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com, amazing clinical content and 140 continuing education courses at a very, very reasonable price go to www.continuing.decisionsanddentistry.com. Maybe I should do something else. Maybe I should, uh, I don't know. But obviously not doing well here at the end of this podcast, but uh, we've got some great stuff coming up in 2024. Uh, great interviews, great insight. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, new tax laws. We'll be talking about, um, you know, what we can do to help you to be more successful as a dentist in 2024. And I still, folks, believe that it is. there has never been a better time to be a dentist, to be in dentistry, uh, to be enthusiastic about it. Because again, and I will say this every time if you will let me, you guys are not about fixing teeth. You are about a better life, a better self-esteem, a better relationship, and people's total health. and And I'm a I'm a living example of a dentist saving my my life, and I believe that you've done it for many more. and And just remember all the good things. So, with that, folks, thank you, uh, Michelle Coker and Matt Nelson from the California Dental Association. And uh, with that, we will call it a podcast. Uh, And for the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA, this is Art Wiederman CPA saying goodbye for now. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idbailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.